Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Bill Werner has the latest on the recent political back and forth here in Minnesota tied to Minsure and rising health insurance costs. I talk with Hamlin University political analyst David Schultz about the October surprises in the presidential election, and Mike Grimm has a preview of Gopher basketball. But first, Patty and Jerry Wetterling granted media interviews for the first time this week since learning the horrific details surrounding their son Jacob's death. MNN's Tasha Radel sat down with the couple. Patty and Jerry Wetterling first learned there might be a break in the case when their family attorney contacted them the Monday before the long Labor Day weekend. Jerry says both he and Patty knew something was different this time. I wanted to hear it and I didn't want to hear it. So I knew it was going to be painful, but I, I just wanted to, I wanted to know the truth. I wanted to know everything. Patty says things happened fast and they were advised not to talk to anyone because officials didn't want to risk Heinrich changing his mind, something he was known to do. She says things moved fast. When this break happened and the plea bargaining things and then they find evidence of Jacob uh, and remains, we were stunned and um, there was a lot of um, scrambling to, to get through the hearing on that Tuesday and, and take care of our, our children and grandchildren and our siblings and all of the cousins and dear friends, including Aaron, who was with Jacob, and, our Ro- and Rochelle, who was babysitting that night. And um, we really couldn't, couldn't, didn't know how to, to talk to anybody. Um, we, we were deeply grieving and, and having trouble figuring it out because none of it made sense. So we didn't, and, and we, we didn't talk to anybody, and what, what happened is we watched as other people came forward, and some of other victims spoke, and some of J- Jacob's classmates spoke, and different people started coming up with all of these different ideas and things that they were doing, and it was rather magical to watch, so when we were unable to, um, other people came forward and and we were very grateful for that. Were you and Jerry familiar with Danny Heinrich? He, he was one of uh, probably six or eight names that we kept, um, they would come back to us with. Um, there was another guy from Painesville, Dwayne Hart, who's also in prison for victimizing boys. So it seemed like it was Hart and Heinrich, and their names would come back around and round and round. Um, but the reality is they had nothing on him. And um, it wasn't until Jared's DNA was found that, the, that they knew he was lying about being involved and that the cases were so close geographically and time-wise between Cold Spring with Jared and, and Jacob's disappearance that they had often thought that they were connected. So, um, yeah. Just nine months before Jacob's abduction, Heinrich assaulted then-12-year-old Jared Shirel in Cold Spring. Last year, a DNA match confirmed the assault and helped link Heinrich to Jacob. 
Patty, there were also a number of sexual assaults in the Painesville area just before Jacob's abduction. I have heard some of the victims are frustrated that law enforcement never questioned them or put Heinrich, who lived in Painesville at the time, in a police lineup. Were you aware of this? Yes, and we really hear that these these guys don't feel that they were ever listened to or believed, and I... I don't have a, a clear total picture on that. I think it still needs more um, investigation into where, where where it failed for those guys. Um, later, when their names came up, I, I had a certain amount of ang- anger, frustration that um, some of the law enforcement didn't want to talk to them later because the statute of limitations had run out, but it didn't matter to me. They were victimized. They'd all seen and experienced this person who was doing it, so each of them might have had a piece of information, but that wouldn't have stopped the behavior. You know, what? that should have happened way back in 87, 88, when they were, 87, I think it was when they were victimized, and I just, I'm hopeful that things are better now. Um, than, and I've talked to the police chief in Painesville who has a whole different viewpoint on, you know, this will not happen again under his watch. And I, I hope that law enforcement around the nation look at that. How do they hear victims and what are they doing to help and to stop whoever's causing that harm? How did your family keep going all these years and exhume such strength? We were fighting for Jacob and we knew this young 11-year-old and everything that all of our memories and everything that he stood for and everything that he hoped for and the dreams that he had and we just we just hung on to that and I still believe that we need to hang on to that because it is the world that could be and that we we could create that world and actually Jerry and I have experienced it from all of the kindness from people all over the the globe really um, sending re- notes and 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 gifts and cards and lighting candles and saying prayers and we know how profound that is when good people pull together and they're they're speaking to prevention and doing part of the eleven campaign. So it, it's it was Jacob and the spirit of Jacob that kept us going. And speaking of the eleven campaign, that has to warm your heart on how fast it's really caught on. It has, and <laughs> strangely enough, for me, it's even equally as important when some uh, eighth grade uh, team in um, Managa or something about that that they've done something because you know that that's something they're talking about. They're talking about those um, traits and attributes. You know that that plays into their daily lives. Uh, those those uh, concepts are just he, uh, hugely important uh, in creating good futures for themselves and the people around them. Patty, I've heard you say that you're going to continue your fight for all missing and exploited children. Uh, you've said it's still in your blood. I, You know, when I was chair of the board for the National Center, they gave me a, a plaque and it's got the number 10... 1,564 or something like that, and that was the number of children returned home during that three and a half years that I was chair. Kids come home. Don't give up ever. We can't ever give up on our children. That sends a message to the ones who are home safe today, too. We will never stop searching for you and believing in you and helping you uh, find your way. 
Such an amazing couple. Thanks again to Patty and Jerry Wetterling. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. We all want our children to succeed and be remembered. My daughter Deej is remembered here at Byron High School for a tragedy that took her life. While driving home from her first day of senior year, Deej decided to write a text message. It was the last message she ever wrote, a message she never sent. 20% of fatalities involving teen drivers are distraction related. One text killed my daughter. I beg you, please put your phones away and focus on the road. If your friends are distracted while driving, speak up. Offer to be their designated texter. Another Deej doesn't need to die. For your life and all the lives on the road, please put the phone down while driving. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Political fallout this week after the announcement late last week that premiums could jump as much as 67% for those buying health insurance on the state-run Minsure Exchange. MNN's Bill Werner is here with details. Bill, this latest information put Governor Mark Dayton in a tough spot, didn't it? That is for certain, Scott. Dayton pushed hard earlier for Minnesota to set up its own health insurance exchange rather than using the federal exchange provided by the Affordable Care Act and the governor made a somewhat startling admission this week. The reality is the Affordable Care Act is no longer affordable to increasing numbers of people. And, and Congress, which has been totally de uh, deadlocked in terms of making any necessary changes or improvements, is going to have to step uh, into this in January with the next administration and make the kind of changes such as if we had a, a level of, of uh, Reinsurance is called, but insurance by the public sector, by the, by the federal government, for, for the catastrophic uh, health care uh, occurrences, uh, you'd bring the rates down very significantly. If you had uh, the ability of, of insurers, and this is some things we do at the state level in terms of giving them more flexibility, and, and we'll look at that uh, in, in the next legislative session, but the uh, and the subsidies that the federal government provides, the tax credits, are going to need to be increased and expanded to, to again, reduce the, the cost burden on those who are buying insurance under the Affordable Care Act. The Affordable Care Act has many good features to it. It's achieved a great success in terms of insuring more people, 20 million people across the country, and providing uh, access for people who have pre-existing conditions and the like, but it's got some serious uh, blemishes right now and serious deficiencies, and we're going to need both state and federal governments to step in and, and do what they need to do to, to remedy these uh, problems. That is from the governor's press conference on Wednesday, the day after he pointed fingers. The reason the Affordable Care Act has not been able to be improved in Washington to incorporate some of my recommendations and others is because the Republicans in the Congress have absolutely refused to consider uh, any improvements to the ACA. All they want to do is have uh, political posturing votes in especially the House of Representatives to try to eliminate it without offering any viable alternative. And so, you know, in Minnesota, the Republican uh, attack squad seizes on this as an example of Minsure, which, as I said yesterday, this is not about Minsure. These rates 
Rate increases apply to people buying their insurance through Minsure or buying their individual insurance outside of Minsure, the difference being that many of them will qualify for the federal tax credits. Governor Mark Dayton, Minnesota Republican Party Chairman Keith Downey says about the governor's comment that the Affordable Care Act is no longer affordable. Well, I guess it's better late than never. Uh, Republicans warned about this uh, eventuality even when the legislation was passed and at the time attempted to offer a number of amendments uh, to the bill. And and when it passed here in Minnesota, when uh, the governor and the Democrats under single-party rule implemented Minsure, the Minnesota version of Obamacare, um, their rejection of all Republican ideas outright resulted in no Republican votes um, for that legislation and that major policy change. And so we feel uh, like Republicans uh, then and since then have been offering a number of solutions and, and ways to fix things. Obviously, our preference would be to start over and, and not have Obamacare in the first place and proceed with more market-based and patient and consumer-friendly reforms. Uh, but even you know with that reality not being possible with President Obama in there, Republicans have been offering solution after solution to try and fix things, and the Democrats reject them. Control of the legislature is up here in this uh, election uh, very shortly. As Republicans, your most optimal outcome would be, obviously, to retain control of the Minnesota House of Representatives with a significant majority and to gain, regain control of the Minnesota Senate. Um, But even if that happens, you have Mark Dayton, a Democrat, um, who pushed through many of these minsure changes, uh, still in the governor's office for a couple more years. So what I'm saying is, regardless of what happens at the federal level, if nothing, nothing or not what you want happens at the federal level, how can you make changes at the state level, even if Republicans control both the Minnesota House and the Senate? I think that the degree of pain that people are experiencing uh, due to minsure, uh, the extent of the uh, cost increases, the reductions in coverage and options, and even if you do have insurance, uh, the exorbitant copays that render you effectively coverage-less in most cases. Uh, I think that pain is is there no matter what. Again, the fiscal economic realities of a program that just fundamentally doesn't work uh, will face Governor Dayton, too. And so, you know, ideally, we'd have a Republican House and a Republican Senate, and we could advance uh, the more substantial changes that we feel we need to make. And I don't know that Governor Dayton would want to leave office with his legacy being that he defended a broken health care program uh, that was bankrupting families and small businesses across this state. That's Minnesota GOP Chairman Keith Downey. There is talk of a special session to address the issue. The governor says about that. I'm not going to discuss a special session with anybody until after the election. I mean, it's just too politically charged. But I'm, I'm looking at that to see if there's anything we can do uh, to do that would make a difference. It has to be done before January. If, there, if it proves to be, then we'll certainly have that discussion after, after November 8th. And Scott, who is in the White House after November 8th, and who controls the Minnesota House and the Minnesota Senate will bear heavily on what, if anything, is done about rising health insurance costs. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Hey, it's Flint Lockwood here from Swallow Falls. My friends and I have just discovered these amazing living foodimals. But wait, we've also discovered a crisis that needs our help. 
According to my calculations, one in five kids in America struggles with hunger. That's almost 17 million kids. Our mission is to help solve hunger by teaming up with the Feeding America Network to get food to kids facing hunger in communities across the country. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks, helping connect children and families who face hunger to billions of pounds of food, reaching shelters, schools, and community centers in every county in America, including yours. Help Flint and the Feeding America network of food banks get food to the people who need it in your community. Find your local Feeding America food bank at feedingamerica.org hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Who might you save? Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, aunt, son. Learn fast. F-A-S-T. The sudden signs of a stroke and you could save. Your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss, coach. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. F-A-S-T. Face, arm, speech, time. That's F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of... Your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather... So learn F-A-S-T, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on, because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague, teammate, mother. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. It's been a topsy-turvy week in presidential campaign politics, and it promises to be an even topsier, turvier month heading into the general election on November 8th. I recently spoke with Hamlin University political analyst David Schultz about the direction things are headed, starting with the unshackling of Donald Trump. Well, what it means at this point is potentially not something very good, because if he means by freed, he's free to say whatever he wants and do whatever he wants. Uh, I think a lot of Republicans are worried in terms of how that might affect other candidates um, in terms of down ballot. And we saw this, of course, on Monday when Speaker Paul Ryan essentially said that um, he wasn't going to defend Trump or campaign with him anymore. And freeing up Republicans across the country to run independent from or run away from, I guess, Donald Trump. Looking at it locally, a lot of high-profile Republicans who are running for election or re-election have distanced themselves from Trump. So what does this mean to those folks? Well, it, it, it cuts two ways. On the one hand, this could potentially hurt Republicans with their base. You know, that if Donald Trump is is the nominee for the Republican Party. And if they're no longer campaigning um, with the Republican Party nominee, um, that, that could hurt them because we still know that Trump enjoys significant support among rank-and-file people um, in the Republican Party. So on the one hand, it might hurt them with the base and therefore might hurt some of their prospects. Um, on the other hand, I, some of them, especially in close districts, districts where, where potentially they are vulnerable, these Republicans, um, walking away from Trump um, might work to their advantage in terms of 
how it might appeal to swing voters. And so I think we need to understand when we look at how Republicans are posturing on Trump, are they coming from areas that are safely Republican or are they coming from areas where they're not quite as safe? And I think in the safe Republican ones, you're going to see that they either don't abandon Trump um, or if they do, it will hurt them um, versus in those swing districts um, that it might make more sense to, to walk away from Trump for fear of how it might potentially alienate those critical swing voters. On the other side of things, uh, for Hillary Clinton, it seems as though the WikiLeaks is putting out more and more of her emails that have been hacked. doesn't seem to be getting as much coverage as, as Trump's controversies, but how much of an impact might this have on her campaign? Potentially a lot. I think she's the luckiest person in the world right now because... Just as those leaks were coming out, the, the Access Hollywood video came out, and that basically eclipsed the Clinton WikiLeaks material, some of which potentially is quite damaging you know, to her, um, especially among, I would say, certain key constituencies, such as the liberals of the Democratic Party or young people. And what I sort of wonder at this point is, will there be a situation or point in the next few days where the news cycle in terms of Trump's behavior and Trump's campaigning kind of subsides, giving the media an opportunity to really cover and discuss the WikiLeaks. And so I, I think there's still some potential harm for Clinton that could flow from the WikiLeaks. But right now, it's just been subsumed under a different news item um, that's really dominating the presidential cycle. A lot of the recent polls are showing that Clinton has a strong lead after the tapes came out. Uh, Nancy Pelosi was in Minnesota saying that it looks like in four weeks Hillary Clinton gets elected. How likely is that to happen? Is it a done deal? Nothing is a done deal at this point. I mean, we know that Clinton has a pretty large lead. Few candidates have been able to recover from from the deficit that Donald Trump has, but, you know, with essentially four weeks to go. Um, but this has been a, a relatively volatile campaign. We still have one more debate. We still have four more weeks. We know Clinton is not immune to making some some mistakes along the line here. And on top of which, I think the polls may not be completely accurate. I think this is what Donald Trump is counting on. He's counting on that that his his supporters, who are not necessarily well tapped in the polls, um, will come out in very strong numbers. Also, with numbers showing that Clinton has such a large lead, I think she has to worry about, worry about complacency, about people saying, well, I guess it doesn't really matter if I come out and vote because um, she's going to win anyhow. So, so even though I think it looks pretty good for her right now, there are lots of reasons to be concerned if I were uh, Secretary Clinton. Professor, do we know yet if Trump's strategies, uh, things like bringing out the abuse victims of, of Bill Clinton and saying that he would put Hillary in jail, do we know yet if those strategies have worked for him? If we think in terms of the overall tone of the campaign, I mean, he's using a tone of a campaign um, that's similar but not identical to what he used during the primaries and caucuses, and it bode him well. Um, although here one can argue that that really the tone, the, the the degree of um, of negativity and nastiness has really escalated in the last couple of weeks since the first debate. And so it'll be curious to see if whether or not this ratcheting up of, of sort of the negative attack ads uh, will it really work. And I'm sure we'll know more about the direction things are headed after the November 8th election. Again, thanks to my guest, Hamlin University political analyst David Schultz. I'll be back with more Minnesota Matters after this. 
Don't you wish that getting your child to eat right, move more, and spend less time in front of a screen could be as easy as pushing a button? It might not be that simple, but you do have more power than you know. And you can maximize that power with proven strategies, tips, and tools from the National Institutes of Health's We Can, or Ways to Enhance Children's Activity and Nutrition program. We Can offers all kinds of resources, including fun recipes and activities the family can do together to show you the way to live a healthier lifestyle. We're not saying it's easy. We are saying that it can be done. Take the first step today. Call 1-866-359-3226 for a free We Can Parents Handbook. And be sure to visit the We Can website at wecan.nhlbi.nih.gov for free information, too. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. It's time to talk some sports. And believe it or not, basketball season is upon us. And at the college level, the Golden Gophers have started fall practice, getting ready for the season to start next month. MN Sports Director Mike Grimm was in Washington, D.C. this week for the Big Ten Men's Basketball Media Day. This year's Big Ten tournament will be held in the nation's capital, so that's where they hosted the league's preseason media tip-off tour. Golden Gopher head coach Richard Patino and players Nate Mason and Jordan Murphy were among those taking part. Mike sat down with Gopher junior guard Nate Mason on Thursday afternoon. Nate Mason's the top returning scorer for the Golden Gopher men's basketball team, which finished a disappointing season last year, 8-23. and Hopes are much higher for the coming season. Minnesota opens the regular year on November 11th at Williams Arena against Louisiana Lafayette. As for this week here in Washington, D.C. at Media Day, Mason says he enjoyed the time spent inside of the Beltway. Oh, man, it's eye-opening, man. Um... Big Ten is doing a, a fantastic job with us as players and the coaches. So um, they took us to the Martin Luther King Monument. So that was that was neat. We ate at Roof's Chris. So everything has been going well so far, man. It's just just ready for the season to start now. Did you have a nice steak at uh, Ruth Chris? No, I actually had crab cakes. I'm a seafood guy, so. Well, and you're in Maryland, right? Uh, D.C. Or you gotta have those. They had to have crab cakes. I'm actually from. I was actually born in Baltimore. So it's, and I moved to Atlanta when I was like seven, eight. So it's it's tough sometimes. I really don't get seafood, home seafood like that. So I had to get some. <laughs> Back in your old stomping grounds. Um, obviously, here at Big Ted Media Day, people look at the record from last year and they have you kind of picked toward the bottom half. How motivated are you to uh, to to prove those folks wrong when they look at that and make those projections? Oh man, that, that's that's big time motivation. Um, our team pay attention to it. Um, and we, we, we are we, we obviously we, we know what we're capable of, so uh, it's just really just going out there and proving it to these guys. Uh, just playing the best we can play, playing our hearts out. Um, just getting better each and every day in practice. So that's all we can do. What kind of things do you think? I mean, you guys were you you know you started out whatever it was, 0 and 10 or something, but it was like I think eight of those games were single digit games, five or less. You were leading some games with two minutes to go. What is that next thing to say? Okay, we're gonna close those games out. Oh man, um, just 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 having that leader out there that's just making it making them not lose. Um, I try, I'm trying to take on the role, of just being there for the team and making sure we don't lose those type of games. It's just doing anything possible in my power and and making these guys motivated to make sure we not do it. So, 
new players too. Um, uh, I want to ask you to go out a couple of them, and you're familiar with Reggie, obviously Reggie Lynch, the transfer center. He was on the you know practice with you guys. What kind of difference can he make in the middle for for the Golden Gophers? Oh man, Reggie Reggie's a low down there, so he can make a big difference. Um, he's able to score in the post, um, play defense, block shots, and he can run the floor. So he's pretty athletic. So I feel like he's going to take the bits him under his wing a little bit. How about Eric Curry, a new freshman? What's he look like so far? Eric Curry looks good, man. Very skilled, very high IQ. Um, once he gets confidence, I think he'd be really good. And Amir Coffey, I know he's the local guy from Minnesota that everyone likes. Uh, what's uh, what's he look like in this training camp? Oh, man, Amir looks great. Um, six seven, able to come off screens. Um, great IQ, high vision. Uh, can score when he needs to, so he's going to be really good. And now uh, you have another backcourt mate as well, uh, the, the graduate transfer, Akeem Springs. What's, uh, what's his game bring to the floor? Oh, man, Akeem, Akeem brings a lot of, lot of leadership qualities to the floor. And also he's, he's a very good offensive player too and defensive. He's a big body, able to get through screens, able to shoot the ball a lot. So he, he, should, he should help us out. Um, and then you miss uh, Devontae Fitzgerald, which, of course, is kind of a heartbreaking situation. How, how much do you feel for him knowing what he's going through now? Oh, man, it's big. Um, me and, me and Devontae almost grew up together a little bit, um, both from the same area in Atlanta. Um, our Atlanta high school teams were, were rivalries, so, I mean, it, it, it's hard. It's hard for him. We just got to be there for him. And I always tell him every day, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're going through, but just know I'm there for you. You know what I mean? So hopefully he, he's going to get over it. Um, next year he has, he's going to have a breakout season. I, I can promise you that. So... Just, it's just a matter of time for him. And then uh, last couple for you. Um, it, time flies. You're already a junior, right? I mean, it's amazing. And as you mentioned, you're kind of now taking on that leadership role. How do you foresee your role? I mean, do you want to be like a 35-minute-a-night guy that can, uh, you know, obviously pump in double digits uh, each night? Oh, man, it's just whatever coach needs from me, honestly. Um, if he needs me to get double digits, I can do that. So um, it's whatever he needs from me. I, I, I'll get it done somehow. Very good. Good luck. Enjoy the year. Thank you. That's Gopher guard Nate Mason on Minnesota Matters on the Minnesota News Network from Washington, D.C. Scott? Thank you, Mike, and that's going to do it for this week. Please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.